Welcome to Business Steps Up, a presentation of HIALI, one of the recognized voices in Long Island business. We'll focus on cutting-edge topics important to the Bi-County region and beyond. So sit back, relax, and listen to some of Long Island's most influential business leaders here on Business Steps Up. So good afternoon, everyone. I see we are streaming live on Facebook, and welcome to the inaugural of our HIALI Business Steps Up. Um, and what a delight because we have the president of East West Industries, uh, Teresa Ferraro, with us for the first. So I'm really excited about that. Before we begin, I just want to say to all of you, I hope you're all staying healthy and um, safe out there. That's very, very important as we move forward in our recovery. Know that the HIALI has been alongside you fighting every step of the way and you know with two primary goals number one is to disseminate and continue to disseminate critical information number one and two is to highlight and really that's what this is all about this half hour to highlight our members and some of the phenomenal things that they have been doing to step up to the plate through this recovery and through covid to help out and again delighted to have teresa ferraro here so proud of um, the efforts, not only that East West, normally the things they do to save lives, but through this COVID. So hello, Teresa, how are you? Hello, Terry, how are you? You look Good. fabulous. Thank, thank you, you for having Good. me. I'm so honored for this, I really am. Well, thank you for joining us. So, you know, to begin, um, let's talk a little bit about, tell the audience about how East West started. And let me just say, you know, this is such a great example, your organization, of uh, not only an entrepreneurial spirit, but a family-owned business. And before we got on air, I asked about Mary, your mother, right? So tell us the story of how, I think it was 1968, right, yes. that you started? Good, good memory. But uh, yes, we're in our 52nd year of business, so 1968. Um, you know, my parents, you talk about true entrepreneurs. Uh, my dad was a mechanical engineer. My mom had a banking and finance background. My father was never in the military, but always worked um, in mechanical engineering for life support equipment, uh, small oxygen systems disconnects um, on military aircraft. And really, he had, had a true entrepreneurial spirit, but he was a, a great engineer, designer. But most importantly, he had a great sales and marketing background. That is so unusual to have someone to have those two great skills. And he was working very, very hard. And he and my parents had three small children home at the time. And my father truly said, Mary, I can do this on my own. I think I want to start my own business. And we talk about my, uh, my dad is Dom. My mom is Mary. Um, Mary was true, you know, by his side for this and said, absolutely. And they literally started designing small components for aircraft, for military aircraft, right on their dining room table in Wontaw, the same house my mom still lives in to today. Um, and they truly said, you know, like, we can do this on our own. And boy, what, what a leap of faith in 1968 to have three small children at home to know that you're leaving, you know, starting a business and taking, you know, that leap and saying, you know, what about, you know, health benefits and what about secured salary, but they really did it. And, um, you know, just to kind of fast forward a little bit, they really 
built up the business, started with very, you know, on the dining room table, moved to Belmore, a small facility. We lived in Wanto, so it was close. And I have two older brothers. And as we talk about growing up, we didn't go to camp. We went to camp east-west. So we would ride our bicycles on summer vacation and help our parents do um, small odd, odd odd jobs at the office. Back in the early days, there was no collators on copy machines. So I was the collator for the copy machine. Uh, my brothers would be helping in, in the shop as well, too. And you really learned it was a sense of family, uh, family spirit and family beginnings of what is now really fast forward 52 years later, um, East West. And um, so we've really, we've developed our guiding tenants since 1968 has been saving aircrew lives is our first concern. And if we really think about that still to today, and that we'll go into it a little bit more, kind of involved, evolved of how we really helped um, solve the immediate PPE problem for our Suffolk County Police. So, um, uh, you know so what, it's, it's so funny because that, that story, and I've heard it before, obviously, right? Because we're friends, we know each other, but is such a great example of how your parents instilled in you as children had to be innovative and risk takers. Absolutely. Right? The epitome of what entrepreneurism Mm-hmm. is all about. So, you know, talk to me about that, because as we look at family-owned businesses on Long Island, you know, there can be some rough dynamics going mm-hmm. on. There. So sure. I know it's you and Joe, right? Joe's your brother. Yes. Yep. Joe's our uh, VP of business development. Yeah. So how do you manage that? So my parents, when we all, my parents were very, very um, supportive. When we all went, graduated high school and went to college, no one ever said, you have to join East West. You have to be part of this business. My father always believed this was his dream and his baby, but go out, get an education and find out what your passion is. And we talk about all the time that each one of us went out to school um, and each one of us came back to the business in a very different way. And I'll explain a little bit of mine. Um, I graduated in Delphi and it was the early 80s. Not a lot of jobs out there. You know, at that time, I was pounding the pavement. And my father said to me, Teresa, you know, come in. I need a a filler in the office. And I'll even pay you $100 to do that. And I thought at that time, wow, that that was great. I'll do it. But what's a filler, you know? And um, what I didn't, what I found out when I finally came back into the office and, and was that filler was that we were now out of the Belmore facility. We were in Farmingdale. And there was a pilot and co-pilot that had recently ejected from an aircraft. And the equipment that was used to save their life, their oxygen system survival kits, were manufactured by East West, right in Farmingdale. And they wanted to come back and shake the hands of men and women that saved their life. Well, that was like empowering to me. And I said, boy, I've learned about, I've grown up in East West, but really truly what we do is so important. Um, but I said to my dad, I want to join East West. And the best thing he said to me was, not sure you have a job, give me a business plan of what you can bring to the table to East West. And sure enough, what, we, what I ended up doing was realizing that they started on their dining room table and flourished over those first you know, 20 years or so. No, absolutely no HR or at that time personnel department. And I loved people, I loved speaking to people, I loved um, embracing and encouraging people and realized I could develop a personnel department, a handbook, 
benefits, 401k plan, profit change, and things of that nature to East West. And that was my value that I was adding in. Yeah. So again, what a, what a great example of um, just putting, putting what you do to best and highest use. Phenomenal. Phenomenal. So talk to us about how the, your products have changed over the years. I mean, you're still looking at your seats, obviously. So, as I said, we really started early on, my father making small dis, um, oxygen disconnects and components on the life support and the breathing side uh, for the pilots and co-pilots. Uh, but we evolved. We evolved from just doing small components, oxygen systems, to the full survival kit that the pilot sits on. So if you've ever gone to Jones Beach and see the Blue Angels at Memorial Day weekend, those survival kits that those pilots are sitting on are manufactured now here, right in our new our facility in, Ron, in Ronkonkoma. Um, so they've evolved, but we also became very strategic in realizing that it's great to have one little niche in the market of survival equipment, but you needed to diversify. Because in these markets through the 80s and 90s, all the way up to 2020, if you don't have diversification in your products and in your customers that you're supplying to, especially in the military defense area, um, you're not going to have some great success. So you really have to prove yourself to those suppliers. But we, we've evolved from helicopter seats. We do refurbishment of ejection seats. We do fixed wing seats. Um, and supplying to all the major primes, the Boeings, the Sikorskys, the Northrop Grumman's, the Lockheed's. So we really kind of diversify ourselves because, as you know, some of these big primes, one just gets gobbled up by the other sometimes. You never know who you're dealing with, but you have to prove yourself. And I think by really knowing that we provide a quality product, on-time delivery at an affordable price makes us a key um, a key supplier to these customers. Yeah, so uh, the audience might not know that last year East West Industries was a recipient of the HIALI Business Achievement Awards. Proud to be honoring you. Proud oh, thank you. It was such an honor for us because really what that embodied was really looking at your peers around your community and really being recognized for that, that truly was a great honor for us because you know, so many people say East-West, what does East-West do? I pass by, we're located right by Islip Airport. People might see the building and not really understand what we do. So really being able to um, receive that award and that honor was truly, truly um, empowering to us and to the employees because I think what we portrayed was um, giving back to the community as well, too, and working with our veteran community, since our yes. products go to the military, support those that are out there protecting us, protecting our freedom, which is the little tie-in that we talked at the building, uh, at the beginning, I'm wearing red today. Oh, tell which, us about that. Yes, so in the military, uh, Red Friday is really a very, you'll notice that there's a lot of something that, um, connotates uh, red on whatever you're wearing. And red stands for, remember everyone deployed. And it's just really, it's, it's a sense to know that there's a commitment that although we are not serving, we're remembering those, but more importantly, East West, we have a commitment of hiring our veterans. Because transitioning from military life to civilian life is often very difficult. So why not provide jobs to those that are coming out of the military and they give, have a sense of brotherhood and support that those men and women that we hire are still 
are still with their brothers and sisters, still uh, still enlisted. And it's great that we all have red shirts. We wear red shirts. We have red East West T-shirts made. And it really is a sense of um, commitment, camaraderie, and family, because really that's what it comes down to. We are all family. Yeah. And you know what? That rang through as we interviewed you, as we took that interview through the... Mm-hmm through the plant, through the Business Achievement Awards, that there was such a sense of pride and passion. And, you know, I actually, I don't know if I ever said this to you, but when we walked through and you introduced us to some of your people, I actually watched their chests kind of, Aww. kind of seriously fill with pride because they understand that you're saving lives and they understand you're a family. So you need to remember that, right? So let's move for a second to... How did, how did going through, you know, the last six months for all of us has been just unbelievable, unbelievable. And again, I say how proud we are, right, of the Long Island business community and companies like yours that have just stayed steadfast and been able to pivot so quickly. Mm-hmm. How, how did COVID impact your business and what are you seeing now? So I think for all of us, it was extremely, you know, we as New Yorkers ourselves, we've gone through so much, whether it was 9-11 or whether it was Sandy, but this was something of a a different magnitude as well, too, that it was instantaneous as well. Um, But it really goes back to a little bit of our core. So East-West, we were deemed essential by the Navy, by the Air Force, because our equipment was literally going on aircraft uh, that the Air Force was flying and the Navy was flying. We had a letter of um, automatic, we are essential. But we also recognized that we had to do our commitment to flatten the curve and how can we do it? And we say all the time, you cannot manufacture helicopter seats and oxygen systems remotely. Right. Um, But what we did was we have about 85 employees. We took those that could work remotely, people in our engineering, IT staff, uh, our planning and purchasing support staff, but our manufacturing team, our quality team, our support, we were here nonstop. We never stopped every single day um, because we had a commitment. We had a commitment, again, to our customers who who's on the end of that customer line is those men and women in the military. And it was our commitment to keep our products going. So we tried to put every protocol that we could uh you know, really embrace, you know, good sanitation, you know, first of all, social distancing. I am so glad we were in our new facility now for three years, because if we were in our old facility, we were on top of each other. Now we could spread out. Um, so we were able to good, put some good protocols into place. Um, and but to again, interrupt you just for a second. I'm, I'm hearing that we're getting some feedback yes, from someone else talking on your end. Can you turn the Facebook volume? Either off or down. There's no one here on my end. Speaker? Are you hearing it better now or no? Yeah, we're still hearing it. It's okay. Go ahead. Uh, Now I have it too low. I can't hear you. (laughs) Oh, I do. Now I hear that feedback. That's actually me. Yes. All right. Oh, it's just, um, we'll carry on. Okay. Don't worry about it. Um, so you were so saying you were deemed essential. We're deemed essential. And our doors remained open the entire time. And 
Chief um, Malone's office had actually reached out to us and they said at that point in time, I think PPE was the biggest thing. And they, there wasn't, you couldn't get your hands on anything. And we do have a manufacturing facility here, but in the manufacturing facility, we do have a military sewing that's done right here on our premises. I think Steve Malone remembered that and worked closely with the county and we developed a partnership together with the county then there was a requirement that Suffolk County PD did not have any PPE at the very beginning and that was a very big concern and we really wanted to find out they reached out to us and said if we supply you material could you make masks for our Suffolk County police so of course I have a very hard time of saying no to anything I did not realize they were looking for 10,000 masks immediately. That's okay, because what was the best thing that we did? We talked to the employees, we gathered here together, and between our, um, our employees, our local supply chain that we've used, we kind of created a teamwork that people were coming in, staying late at night, coming in on weekends, and what they were doing was cutting the material ironing the mask, cutting the elastic for then for us to begin sewing and have some outside suppliers help us with the sewing as well. It was really, it was very empowering to know that we really came together as a community, as a local community. Yeah. And I, you know, that you answered my question, which was going to be, so how did you pivot so quickly? But it sounds like, you know, there, there, you have such a sense of pride to begin with, right? And you brought people together, you do well, you bring people together, you know, swiftly. And um, you just made it happen. And they, they felt important because they were, they were helping us. And they were now helping not only those in the military, but those yeah. in the own, own community. It was great when employees, when they were finally, so the, the uh, Suffolk County supplied us the material and it was navy blue and black and it was a, a, a two-sided mask, but they wanted it to match their uniforms and all. I can't tell you how many employees would say weeks after, I saw a Suffolk County police officer with one of our masks on. Again, that was creating such great sense of pride. So when you did that, did you, did you, continue to do what you were doing normally with just a portion so you had both going at the same time. we had both going at the same time and to see the the people we've reached out to even those that were um, remote workers we were offering it to anyone that wanted to come in it was amazing how late at night and then saturdays and sundays even easter weekend i remember someone saying to us i'm I'm, I really would want to come in. To me, that would be something. And we opened the facility as much as we could wow. because cutting all of that material, sewing all the material, ironing the pleats, it took a lot of effort. And people, employees even brought their um, their children in with them, you know, teenagers. And well, that's a testament to your leadership, Teresa, I have to tell you. Um, so, you know, talk to us a little bit about that because I've, I've been talking to business owners and they're saying, you know, how difficult, obviously, it was to go through that, particularly with some businesses that were working remotely and others that were essential, to really keep their spirits up of their employees and how important communication was through this whole thing. So talk to us about some of the things that you were doing. That we, you sure. When you talk about pivoting quickly, you know, I'm such a people person. People say all the time, you know, I'm always out there, I'm on the shop floor, I like to speak to people 
You know me, I'm a hugger. I'm Italian. I love to hug people when I see them and embrace them. Don't you miss that? I miss Yes, I do. Um, And we really found that all of a sudden, you know, a third of our staff was remote. And we were developing, you know, our IT department quickly, you know, had to reshuffle. And now we were creating, working a little bit more on Teams and doing more Skype. And I'll say the infamous Zoom. And, you know, it, it really became something different that was um, very unusual to me. In my 37 years in East West, I never thought that um, we wouldn't have employees working on site. And we really wanted to bring employees back as quickly as possible, but also very cautiously and making sure that, you know, we did the proper um, proper safety protocols with the employees, you know, without safe, healthy employees, your business is nothing. So that was important. Um, but it was pivotal. I talk about not even pivoting. It was a light switch on and off right away, right? Um, but it really, um, I think that it was as far as leadership for that i always believe in leadership two things communication and listening and all of a sudden we have we would always have employee meetings with the whole staff on the shop floor now i'm communicating via email and although i didn't love to do it that way that was the best way for me to communicate to all the employees the same message the same sentiment of what we were doing where we were going because especially those employees that were remote didn't really understand what was going on here because those employees that were coming in every day, they were putting themselves at risk, right. families at risk. And there wasn't one employee that did not deem to you know, be able to work remote that said, I'm not coming in. So the communication really was a sense of making sure that everyone felt as a team, whether you were remote or on site. Yeah, yeah. And again, I go back to what I said before, a real testament to you as a leader. Um, so how'd you handle it personally? You know what? I remember when March 9th, I think, was the first case of COVID we had in Suffolk County. And we closed our offices shortly after that work remotely. And I remember thinking personally, just for a nanosecond, mind you, that oh, this will be nice. We'll probably be home for about two weeks. <laughs> and surprise. surprise, it all hit. So you know, as a leader, when when you're not leading your organization, what are some of the things that you did personally to get yourself through? I am a very positive person, and I still am today. And I think that really helped me get through it. Because if I started thinking too much, and I believe that it would portray my sense of unsure, what you know, I, I would portray that to the employees and to my family as well. I mean, I'm very lucky that I, my husband works. We work together, so you know, we understand that. But um, I think it's just part of who I am that I'm always an eternal optimist and I will find, you know, you'll find that that good in anything, anyone, any situation. Um, I want to be practical, but I also believe that, that that will help you get through the worst of times. And you know what? That's so funny from a, a business owner's perspective. That's what I've heard over and over again. And we've seen as well that there has been a silver lining to this. Mm-hmm. Right, that we're working more efficiently, more effectively, and done things that we're doing now that'll help out the business of the future. So, so good for you. Obviously, the time just. Oh my gosh! I know. I know. So, leave us with some pearls of optimism from Teresa Farrar. Well, what I really say is, so many people 
look at the news. You always want to look at the negative. You want to look at the bad side of things. It truly is. There are great people out there. There are great people that you work with. Um, communicate, embrace. I think there's just too much negativity out there. Uh, just from a, it, I don't even want to get from a political side, but just from a human nature side that we all need to understand and respect each other. And I think if you give that respect to others, you get back. We've lost that sense of that. I've always said what you give is what you get, right? Absolutely. So, you know, I say, I mirror what you say and say to everybody watching, you know, we're Long Island strong. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And, and we will continue to get through this together. And as I said, many of us have seen a silver lining to it, getting back to basics, getting back to family, right? Getting back to doing things that we should have done uh, all along the way for some of us. So I'm delighted that you joined us. For the first Thank episode. you so much for having me. I know, I know. And I truly believe, you know, for everyone out there, H-I-A-L-I is just, they are, they are that mainstay for us. People need to understand what a great service you provide to so many organizations. I mean, Long Island itself, if you just look at the scope of businesses that are here, it's amazing. And you are just doing a fabulous job. Oh, thank you. And as you know, as a business, you are leading the, leading the economy. So now we're having a love fest, I know. But <laughs> I truly mean that. I mean, I'm just in awe of any business that is in the career. Thank you. Thank we're family here. Joining us. Thank you. Thank you. And stay tuned for the next episode we'll let you know when that is thank you so much thank you Business Steps Up is a production of HIALI, one of the recognized voices for business on Long Island and a powerful voice and economic engine for regional development. Check back for more interesting, thought-provoking episodes with some of Long Island's most influential business leaders. For more information, call us at 631-543-5355 or log on to hia-li.org. 